welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. Really great that you could join us again. I'm Caroline Heim, and I'm so looking forward to this because today we're going to be starting a brand new podcast series called Negotiating Diversity with insights from science and clinical psychiatry. This is for everyone wanting to get on with other people without letting diversity get in the way or become an issue. We all want to belong to the human race, so important for preventative mental health. So you know what the deal is. If you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others. In these uncertain times, please stay mentally healthy and share your love. Here's Dr. Christian Heim. Hello, everybody. And look, welcome to the new podcast series. So I thought we'd do things just a little bit differently this time. So Caroline will be reading from a, a book that's not released yet. But along the way, we're just going to pause and have a few small discussions to elaborate, to understand a few things. Thank you, Caroline. Negotiating Diversity. Insights from Clinical Psychiatry and Cultural Neuroscience by Dr. Christian Heim. She's in a wheelchair. What do I say? How do I talk to a transgender person? A Muslim? A born-again Christian? An atheist? A Republican or Democrat? I don't want to get it wrong. Should I keep my mouth shut and avoid it all? A world of diversity seems to be a world of conflict, social upheavals, differing opinions, new rules, confusion, anxiety, disorientation. Is there something we can do as individuals to better negotiate this world, to understand others, to keep enjoying friendships, to trust strangers? Yes. Scientific evidence shows that, given a chance, the more we get to know each other, the more we grow to like each other. It doesn't feel like it at the moment. Initial hostility of difference keeps us away from each other and in our little social bubbles rather than reaching out. We're afraid to be curious and find the common ground which can lead to acceptance. But current group identities and diversities are nothing more than that, an extension of the cultural diversity that's been in our world for millennia. And we've been afraid of that too. Drawing on cultural neuroscience, the mere exposure effect and decades of clinical experience, this book presents a framework for you as an individual to negotiate our diversity without judgment or offence or forsaking your own values. In a post-COVID world, understanding and acceptance will help us survive together. Yeah, right, I hear you say as you roll your eyes in disbelief. Well, just give these ideas a fair go. Essential Introduction until you experience another person as completely valid, you have little basis for validating your own self. Edward T. Hall. G'day. And by the way, that's when Christian gets a whole paragraph full of welcomes in his book about 67 different languages included. This book on negotiating diversity is a bit different. The introduction is not an optional extra, but it's not quite a chapter either. That's why I've called it an essential introduction. Thanks for understanding and accepting my diverse approach to writing. I'll understand and accept your diverse approach to reading. That wasn't too hard, was it? You'll notice I didn't ask you to tolerate my approach, but to accept it. By doing something different, I force you to accept some discomfort. 
you experience the pangs of, of coping with someone else's unique style. You may have had a judgment about my approach or not given a damn about it, and you would have made a decision about whether you'll still read the book or not. If you're still reading, thank you. What you did on a small scale with this book is about all it will take to get on with diverse people on a larger scale. Understand, accept, and continue. As you read more, you'll get to know my writing style more. You may grow to like it, you may not. Either is okay. If you want the information, however, you'll understand and accept it, even if you complain. Getting on with people is the same, only different, so let's do it. The following story is from someone I worked with. It illustrates our short-sightedness when dealing with our fellow human beings. So I've just come home from an overseas business trip in a hotel, I watched a TV variety program called Cool Japan with cameras hidden in restaurants. The topic was, why do Westerners eat so damn slowly? A few days later, my friend, who'd also been on an overseas trip, asked me, why do Asians eat so damn fast? I burst out laughing. It's good to laugh at our common short-sightedness. We all tend to look at this world and other people from our point of view. Well, staring right back at us is another, sometimes opposite, point of view. It's worth negotiating this point of view and person well for harmony, for understanding and for acceptance. We're moving fast to the situation where, in our global village, we will either thrive together or die together. COVID is testing our togetherness. Will we all fend for ourselves or can we accept each other enough to help each other out? The vaccines were researched and developed in only a handful of countries, but the technology is being extended to the whole world, even if it may not be quickly enough. To do this, we need to understand and accept our differences and diversity and reach to our common humanity. It doesn't matter if you're African, Asian, American, European or other, black, white or other, Jewish, atheist, Christian, Hindu or other, heterosexual, homosexual or other, young or old, abled or not. The vaccine has been developed for your benefit. You are part of the human race. Welcome. Things are said and done very differently in our diverse world, and we don't always get it right, but a few things still unite us as humans. The same general body pattern, the same need for food, water and resources, living on the same planet and each of us able to fall prey to the same viruses, cancers and traumatic events. Culturally, there's always been diversity and we're becoming more diverse in our expressions of religious and political beliefs, sexual expressions, gender and more. Inclusion of more people previously marginalised and disenfranchised, like those living with mental illness or physical disability, means much more understanding and acceptance and less stigma and exclusion. I believe we are actually improving at this immensely. Think of Tudor England when having two differing de denominations of the same religion just couldn't be tolerated. Thousands of Protestants were executed under a Catholic monarch, and thousands of Catholics were executed under a Protestant monarch. Modern-day UK now accepts a vast diversity of religions, sex and gender expressions, and much more. Yes, there's still a lot more understanding and acceptance needed. The cost to final acceptance is initial hostility to change. As well as this initial hostility to change, there are power struggles and resultant sense of alienation for all. 
This is all very stressful and not good for our mental health. Discussing the diverse characteristics of present-day minority groups, the power struggles or what should or should not be said or done in the public arena, is a population approach to the problem of hostility. But this is not the aim of the book. This book offers an individual-based approach, a practical overview of the science of diversity and cultural diversity to build a framework for what you, as an individual, can do to negotiate the diversity and keep good relationships with people around you. The framework is deceptively simple, but it distills much careful research and clinical experience. My humble aim is to help improve your interpersonal relationships through understanding and acceptance. I trust you get the picture. I centre in on ethnic cultural differences. We have a solid body of evidence in this area spanning decades. I draw on this evidence to help illustrate principles to help us negotiate all diversity. All diversity is diversity of human beings who share a common biological inheritance. We also share this strange setup of life. There are large differences among us, but we all want to make it through to survive and thrive as best we can. Shakespeare articulated this in The Merchant of Venice through the character of Shylock. I am a Jew. Hath not a Jew eyes? Hath not a Jew hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions? Fed with the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? The Merchant of Venice, Act 1, Scene 3. A more universal rendition of Shakespeare's insights reads, I'm a person, just like you. I have eyes, hands, a body that, that senses, feels and desires. I need food like you do. I get hurt by words and weapons and I suffer illness, heat and cold just like you. We share the same world. If you cut me, I bleed. Tickle me, I'll laugh. Poison me, I'll die. Hurt me? I'll get angry. I'm just like you. Diverse, but not different. Okay, so I just want to stop there. That is really powerful. Well, okay. <laughs> thank you for that Shakespeare. It's always a treat to have you reading Shakespeare. <laughs> I enjoy it so much. Okay, so when it's personalised, it's so much more powerful, isn't it? Okay, so is that part of the problem that... The problem that everyone else is an other, I'm talking about that problem, yes. distant, impersonal, and it's easier to dismiss them or be afraid of them because of this. Well, the thing is, elsewhere I talk about how we all, all of our brains, organise the universe around ourselves. Yeah. So we actually go out into the world looking at all of life from our point of view. Mm. And we actually forget that everybody else is doing exactly the same thing. They are yeah. going about seeing life from their point of view. So in that we're not different. The difficulty is in negotiating that. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's actually better if we, we personalize get, getting to know people, I mean. is that, That's what I'm actually saying. Well, once we personalize it, let, let, let's take what we just talked about there in Shylock. Yeah. Right? Shylock, when we see him on stage, we go, 
oh, that's a Jewish problem. Yeah. Right? Which is why I changed the words a bit that we go, no, 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 that's not a Jewish problem. That's the problem of all people. Yeah. My gosh, yeah. I felt that. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. my gosh, this is personal. This yeah, is yeah. about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and so right. when you get that feeling, this is about me, that means that you will get the idea that it's actually about everybody. And so you're able to then treat somebody else as though they're closer to you, not quite yourself, but just a whole lot closer than you first thought they may be. Yeah. So good that you use literature. It's really powerful. Okay, moving on. We each are thinking, feeling human beings. We're trying to survive life as individuals and together as a human family. Now, our very survival is threatened by climate change, pandemics, and political instability. In this context, getting on as best as we can becomes extremely important. Throughout history, Homo sapiens have benefited from togetherness and reciprocity, helping each other out. The coronavirus has reminded us of how vulnerable we are and how much we need each other as people. What matters now is fostering feelings of goodwill to survive together. In our world, however, we see the evidence of misunderstanding and non-acceptance among diverse groups and ethnic cultures. This is why we avoid discussing cultural difference. We fear racism. Around the world, we see acts of genocide from one majority group on a minority culture, developed countries treating refugees poorly, the Black Lives Matter situation, and traditional peoples oppressed. These arise out of a history of ignorance and non-acceptance, out of exclusion and otherness, rather than out of the understanding and accepting of which, with time, our brains are capable. Do our brains cope with diversity? Our brains are actually aware of diversity and difference. Anything unfamiliar can seem like a threat. Consider foreign languages. When we hear a word we don't understand, we often become fearful and suspicious. What did they say? what they mean? Was that an insult? Are they enemies? Do I need to be careful? This also happens with unfamiliar actions, appearances, behaviours, attitudes, and all diverse cultural expression. We need to negotiate this to trust each other more and allow feelings of goodwill underneath to grow. Trust is extremely important. We'll naturally trust vaccines developed and manufactured in our own country more than those made in some other countries. This is before we consider the evidence of the effectiveness of the vaccines. Our brain will trust familiarity just because it is familiar. Science, however, has some good news when it comes to coping with diversity. It's natural for feelings of goodwill to grow. It's natural to grow to like each other, given time and opportunity of being exposed to each other. But it's also natural to be fearful and even hostile when confronted with foreign things first and diverse people. With curiosity and time, we tolerate and embrace diversity, become friendly towards diversity, and finally accept, celebrate, and even applaud diversity. This is the science of the mere exposure effect and the effects of culture on the brain, coming up in chapter three. With time, our brains may not only cope with diversity, but embrace it, depending on the choices we collectively make. Okay, all right, so this is, I want to stop again. This is all very well. I have to say the word diversity itself is absolutely loaded in our society at the moment, okay? And people yes, have very is. strong opinions about it one way or the other. Yes. People are so afraid of getting it on. So does, does that affect our brain? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, if we look at the very word diversity, it means going in different directions. 
Okay, yeah. And so, okay. and so uh, because our brains are geared to survival, mm. we will take anything that is foreign to us as a threat first. Mm -hmm. Right. But the brain is also wired to learn. So in other words, aside from that initial threat, we also go, OK, hang on there. Let me just learn about this. And then that's when something that is an initial threat can then become friendly. Okay. But there's always that initial hostility. And that's mm. the problem because we're caught in the initial hostility. Mm. And with time and with understanding, we could actually get over all of that. Yeah. And the word itself, though, diversity, people go, you know, and people use it in workplace, diversity inclusion programs and diversity here and politics and everything. It's just that it's it's just really hard. <laughs> it's, it's very loaded at the moment. Well, well it is. Yeah. It is. It's an issue. But um, because it's an issue, that's that's why we're actually talking about it. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Okay, but it does right. become loaded. And uh, then people already react to the word itself. They do. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 So that's a problem. <laughs> Well, it is a problem because, again, uh, it's that initial hostility, mm, right? Mm. And we're not relaxing with this word diversity because, you know what, when we hear that word, most people have had an adverse experience with diversity. Yeah, yeah. Not liking something about somebody else or other people, not liking something about them. Yeah. And so it becomes already a threat, the word itself. Yeah, yeah. But... We can just chill with that. Yeah. And this is where science really helps because when we understand what's actually going on yeah. in diversity, you go, oh, yes, that is happening in my brain. Oh, but if I give it a bit more time, I will actually grow to like this person. That doesn't mean that you're going to grow to like everybody, right? But it means that give it a bit of a chance, you will actually want more friends than enemies. Okay, great. Thanks. Okay, moving on. Fellow foreigners. We're not only fellow human beings, but also fellow foreigners. Each of us are foreigners in every country except our own. Traveling the world leads us to experience cultural difference. Why do people around here keep looking at me? I want to make eye contact and be friendly, but people shy away. These people talk too loud, stand too close and touch too much. Weird. These people talk too soft, stand miles apart and never touch. Weird. Why do they keep asking me questions? Do they have to intrude? Why don't they ask me questions? Aren't they interested? How rude. Why do these people eat so damn quickly? Why do these people eat so damn slowly? If you live in a foreign place, you notice even more. These apartments are so damn noisy, too much noise going on. These apartments are too damn quiet. Nobody enjoys life. We've lived here five years and no one's yet invited us into their house. I try to leave others their privacy, but I get too many visitors. They never share personal ideas. Don't they trust me? They always share personal ideas. It's too much information. They're so ordered and constricted. How does anyone enjoy life? They're so spontaneous and chaotic. How do they get things done? Their parties are weird. The men and the women keep separate. Their parties are weird. The men and women all mix together. I often say and do the wrong thing. They all do and say the wrong thing. This book uses cultural difference as a base to understand all other diversity. If we can understand and accept cultural diversity, we have tools to understand and accept all diversity. Cultural difference, ethnicity, is relatively safe ground we can discuss cultural differences with relatively little risk of offence. Still, 
we avoid talking about cultural difference out of fear of making a mistake. This becomes a barrier to progress. Other areas of diversity, sexual preference, gender expression, religious expression, generational effects, political biases, socioeconomic difference, are hot topics of difference with a high potential for conflict because we ourselves can feel threatened. These people believe what? Those people do what? They think what? They do what with whom? They're not like us. Still, these areas of diversity are nothing more than an outgrowth of our natural diversity of ethnic culture. If we can understand and accept this, we can understand and accept all diversity just a little more. Culture is the springboard to understand and accept diversity without feeling too threatened. No matter if you consider yourself us or them or somewhere in between, you'll potentially find yourself affronted by how diverse, conservative or liberal other people are. Political correctness is correct, but only politically. It allows us to say or do the right thing, but we keep our genuine opinions and feelings to ourselves or share them only with people we trust. This can be disingenuous and leads us to wear social masks of deceit and hypocrisy, fake understanding and acceptance, rather than genuine understanding and acceptance. Take-home message? Being PC is part cure and part compromise. The aim is to be genuinely accepting. Political correctness can then become a genuine outward expression of genuine inward acceptance. This helps make a real connect between human beings. Okay, but it's hard. I'm just going to stop there a bit. Our world doesn't <laughs> allow us to show this, these emotions. It's politi too politically correct, you know. Well, the one thing that you've touched upon now is, yes, it is hard. Right. I, I, I can't pretend that this is easy. But what I do want to say is that the brain and the science of what we know goes on in the brain is on our side. Okay. We actually want to understand each other. We actually want to accept each other. We want to be understood. We want to be accepted. And because that's common to all of us, the brain's going to help us if we okay. give it a chance. OK. All right. Good. There must be some way around this explosive minefield of having to get it right politically all the time. There is. As individuals, we can focus on each person's common humanity before their diversity. A phrase such as, they're not like us, focuses on difference and draws battle lines. Instead, we can focus on our common humanity so that they and us become the same. Take home message, focus on common humanity before focusing on difference. Stick with me through some tricky us and them stuff. Sure, they're not like us, but they equally think that you are not like them. This divides people into separate camps. The separation encourages masks and walls, deceit and hypocrisy. It's a negative cycle. Difference to suspicion, to fear, to less communication, to walls, to increased suspicion, to increased fear. But let's see what happens when we use curiosity rather than suspicion. When we choose to be curious, this naturally leads to communication, understanding, and with time, acceptance. This is a positive cycle. Difference to curiosity, to communication, to understanding, to acceptance, to more communication, to more understanding, to more acceptance. Which will you choose? Take-home message. 
aim for curiosity rather than suspicion to reach understanding and acceptance. Curiosity is a wonderful way of looking at it. I love this. It is so much more playful and free. Do you talk about this later in the book? Oh, curiosity becomes part of the science. Yeah, great. It's curiosity that drives us down the pathway to actually putting in the effort to understanding somebody. And I like it that you say that curiosity is playful. Yeah. Because, you know, life is sort of getting a bit too serious at the it moment. Is. We could use a bit of playfulness. Like a curious cat. Like a curious <laughs> cat. Okay, back to it. Varied and different. It helps to see that as humans we're different and varied rather than right or wrong. Understanding and acceptance helps moves us forward in difference and diversity. Each diverse group, ethnic, religious, gender-based and more, has its own culture, its own way of doing things, its own set of unwritten rules for the way things are done around here. This cultural barrier becomes a wall, but it also can be overcome by understanding. Take-home message. When you don't understand cultural difference, it becomes a wall. In this book, we'll aim to understand and accept our varied and different cultures so that we can better understand and accept our greater varied and different diversity. Each diverse group is made up of diverse subgroups which may or may not be united. Individuals often straddle groups which, on a population level, seems to be in conflict. The transgender Republicans, Buddhists embracing homosexuality, feminist Muslims, pro-life Democrats and atheist Christians. In my work, I've known and encountered some from each of these subgroups. Each human being is a complex universe unto themselves. I do not believe that box categories are the answer to something as rich and diverse as human beings. Any boxing system we set up is bound to leave someone out and misunderstood and unaccepted. The more boxes, the less people that get left out. But I believe the only way to categorise all 8 billion humans would be to have 8 billion boxes. Take-home message, we don't have 8 billion boxes. In my clinical practice, I've discussed with individuals how to negotiate their sexual expression, gender expression, religious expression, getting along with different generations, and how to cope with the stigma associated with mental illness, chronic pain, and physical disability. So I naturally have a heart for people who are excluded in society. It's a privilege for me to be trusted enough to enter into any individual's very real experiences. I really want to stop here because I think not having boxes is a wonderful idea. But then don't people get, people have a sense of belonging and safety and community and security for being in a box, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. It's natural for us to use boxes. Uh, even just using a surname means that we are in the box with people called Smith, Heim, whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, and also science works with boxes. That's what categorization is all about. Yeah. These things that we see, uh, we can clump together in things that we call trees, yeah. right? And it differentiates for things that are out of the box. When it becomes uh, a boxing process with people, however, because people are not like trees, people are autonomous beings yeah. that want to be free. So you're going to have um, people buck against this idea of being placed in a box, whereas trees don't do that. Trees are quite <laughs> happy to be put in boxes. Right? <laughs> I don't know. You could ask a tree that. <laughs> well, maybe that's right. Maybe we'll get there sometime. Okay, thanks for that. A theory and method. To deal with our range of diversity on an individual basis, we need a theory and a method. The theory is discussed in chapters 1, 2 and 3, and the method is presented in chapters 4 and 5. 
take-home message, we need a theory and method to negotiate diversity as individuals. The theory. Chapter 1 presents an overview to help understand cultural difference. Chapter 2 draws on my clinical experience to emphasise how cultural issues and stigma contribute to mental illness. It also presents theoretical insights from three key anthropologists, which we as individuals can use as a framework for negotiating diversity. Chapter 3 shows how your brain is actually wired for cultural and individual difference. It draws on cultural neuroscience, the mere exposure effect, and the science of trust, altruism, and belief. Understanding these will complete the theoretical framework needed as a foundation to the method of negotiating diversity as individuals. The method. Chapter 4 presents five steps to help apply the science to negotiating this world of diversity for you as an individual. This applies the theory. It is practical and easy enough to be applied on a day-to-day -day basis. Chapter 5 gives concrete examples and helpful phrases to help in applying the five steps presented in Chapter 4. We can understand, appreciate and celebrate cultural differences or we can let them divide us. Just as we understand and appreciate that some cuisines in the world are relatively spicy and others less so, and some people wear bright colours while others prefer subdued, and that some world music is lively and energetic while others are tranquil and serene. So too we can understand and accept that people are diverse. Variety is the norm, and it is healthy and useful to our continued survival. It also makes life very enjoyable. As a psychiatrist, I have the privilege of treating a diverse range of people. You'll hear some of their stories, but confidentiality and trust are very important to me. I share their stories only in a form that makes identification impossible, by using fictional details and combining and rearranging the shared experiences of many people. Each story is true in emotional content, but represents no one individual's journey. My thanks go to the people I have worked with who have struggled with issues of culture and other diversity which has impacted their mental health. I avoid discussing extreme examples of abuse and distrust. Alright, so as a way into this, I encourage everybody to write out their own unique cultural narrative. This will help you accept it and accept the cultural narrative of other people. So your task is to articulate your cultural narrative in a page or two of writing. So that's it for this week. We get through it, did we? We did. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And, and next time, come along and follow us on this journey to negotiate, understand and accept diversity. Looking forward to having your company next week. See you then.